Center. And welcome to 2021. Yay. Um, A lot of things happening. There is an election on Tuesday in Georgia that is very important because it's going to determine who controls the U.S. Senate. And so I just want to take a minute to pray for that. So please join me. Lord, we just, um, we know that you set rulers in place and we know that your hand is upon nations. And we just ask that you would be with this election that's taking place in Georgia. Just pray that every vote would be counted correctly and um, that justice would be done. And we just pray for a good outcome, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen. Okay, so New Year's is... um, when most people make resolutions, right? And um, I thought of a few. I won't admit to them because I'll probably break them. But, you know, there's always like, let's read the Bible more. You know, that's a good one. Let's lose weight. Yeah, that's a good one too. And it's, it's we kind of make plans based on what we will do. And uh, another time when we uh, talk about what we do or what we have done is in a job interview. I've been in a few job interviews and, oh yeah, I've done this and I've done that and I can do this and I can do that, right? We want to tell what we can do. But God does things a little different than we do. Oh, I forgot something. There is a picture I would like to... I'm going to interrupt myself. There's a picture I want to display, so please show the picture. Holy cow, that is bright. I'm showing off um, my daughter's photography, for one thing. This is a picture taken from our house. And, um, yeah, that's the nuclear plant there. And... um, we got the new projectors mounted, and uh, thank you to Zach Miller, who figured out how to flip the image over and get them all mounted. So, yeah, they're better. So, yeah, just wanted to show that off. So, um, back to what I was talking about. How does God describe himself when, when he's, you know, trying to reveal himself to us? How does he do that? And I'm actually... Stealing this from our daily bread, there's, uh, I think it's December 30th, I, I got some of these verses and this thought. So let's look at Exodus 34, verses 4 through 7. Okay, so Moses cut two stone tablets like the first ones. So this is, this is when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and he got the Ten Commandments engraved on stone from God. He comes back down. Israel is sinning, he gets mad, breaks the tablets. I watched a clip of, you know, um, Charlton Heston performing this. I've thought about showing that, but it it wasn't that good. So anyway, um, um, so he goes back up. God tells him, you know, cut two more tablets and come back up on the mountain. So so he's obedient. He, He cuts two more tablets like the first one. 
Then early the next morning, he went up on Mount Sinai, just as the Lord had commanded him, carrying the two stone tablets with him. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with Moses. And the Lord called out his, his name, the Lord, or Jehovah. The Lord passed in front of Moses and said, I am the Lord. The Lord is a God who shows mercy, who is kind, who doesn't become angry quickly, who has great love and faithfulness and is kind to thousands of people. The Lord forgives people for evil, for sin, and for turning against him. But he does not forget to punish guilty people. He will punish not only the guilty people, but also their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, and their great-great-grandchildren. So when God is describing himself, you know, notice what he's doing here. He doesn't say, you know, well, I created the universe. You know, he doesn't say what he did. He doesn't say, you know, go look at the Grand Canyon, you know, I, I made that. He doesn't say that. He says who he is. He talks about who he is. And, and that, you know, and, and he talks about his long suffering and his, his willingness to forgive us if we'll turn from our sin. Okay, so uh, let's kind of think about that for ourselves and our New Year's resolutions. And um, let's look at Matthew 5, 13 through 16. So who are we? Who are we? I want us to think about who we are. God has said who he is. Let's talk about who we are. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its salty taste, it cannot be made salty again. It is good for nothing except to be thrown out and walked on. You are the light that gives light to the world. A city that is built on a hill cannot be hidden. And people don't hide a light under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand so the light shines for all the people in the house. In the same way... You should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do and will praise your Father in heaven. That's who God, this is Jesus talking, and he's telling us who we are and what our, what our uh, purpose is. And so I just want us to think about that as we start the new year. How can we accomplish this purpose? Okay, so um, uh, let's pray. Uh, why don't we all stand up? I'll invite the worship team to come. Lord, we just thank you again that we can meet here today. Thank you um, that you, you have everything in control. And Lord, you know what's going to happen this new year. We're, we're not so sure, but... Uh, you know what's going to happen. You're going to use it for good in our lives. We just look forward to that, Lord. And we just ask you to be with our service now as we worship you. Amen. Good morning. I'm getting better at those steps every week. It's getting easier all the time. Uh, I was reading, we're going back to Second Peter today. 
But I was reading in just different places in Scripture and, and something that I've known for a long time but that was just uh, interesting to me and exciting to me is we're reading Scripture, we're reading the Bible. I keep talking about this is the truth, which it is, and we keep reading it. But at the same time, it's also history. This is also history. These things that are in the Bible that are the truth, they actually did happen. They did happen. And so we not only get to read the accounts of when Jesus was here or the accounts of the Old Testament and creation all the way through, uh, but we're also reading history. And so as we read and as we read to our kids and as we share different things, let's not forget that, yes, this is God's word, this is the truth, but this is also the history of our world. <clears throat> and we, all, we always want, to, I always want to have a biblical worldview. And if we keep the truth in the forefront, we will have a biblical worldview. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but that was just kind of exciting to me as I read different places, you read different stories, and believe me, we're almost done with Second Peter, and I'm, I'm thinking about going through some of the judges and talking about some of the judges and see what we can learn from that, but there's some really interesting stories, interesting history in the Old Testament. So we'll see. We may get into some of those. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 9 is where we're going to go this morning. And I'm going to have you stand again with me as we read from the Word. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before the holy prophets and of the commandment of us. The apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water." But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the history that we can learn and the things that we can glean out of your truth. I just pray that you would guide us as we look into it this morning and pray that you would be glorified through it. In your name we pray. Amen. You can sit down. A new year, 2021. Out with the old and in with the new. We get to start a whole new year. Paul was talking a little bit about New Year's resolutions, and one of, I guess, one of the things that I was thinking is, is about the, the Bible being a history book as well is to immerse yourself. Let's immerse ourselves in the history of God's Word. Let's immerse ourselves in the beauty of God's Word this year. As we go into 2 Peter chapter 3, it's again reminding us of God's goodness, it's reminding us, I'm here, I want to remind you again. This is the second book I've written. I want to remind you again of God's goodness to us. Again, things that actually happened, Peter's reminding the people of that day, but it's just as relevant for us today. 
And I feel like sometimes with the things I've been going through, it's, it's repetitive. And you say the same things over, and you go to the same verses, but that's okay, because God's word will not return void, and we can always read the same scriptures, and maybe this week we hear something just a little bit different. That's how God works. That's the goodness of God. Paul, Peter, again, is reminding us of, his, of God's goodness and that he is going to return, of God's goodness and that he is going to return. We're going to be going to several different verses today. Before I forget, Jordan and Katie, I may have you come up at the end to play Light of the World. We're going to have communion at the end, just a heads up if that works for you guys. We're going to go to Jude, second week in a row that we go to Jude, and verses 17 through 25. It says, but you, beloved, remember the, the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. In Second Peter, it talks about scoffers. That are going to come and, and scoffers that are going to say, hey, what's going on? Oh, the promises that were made all through history, all through the truth of God's word, are they happening? Uh, what's taking so long? Why are things not happening? You guys must have missed it somewhere because these promises are not coming to be fulfilled. Scoffers were present in Peter's day. They're still present today. They're still here today. It was an interesting reading in one spot where it talked about what scoffers actually are. They're not interested in evidence and logic. A scoffer, somebody that makes fun, they're not interested in evidence and logic. They belittle and make fun of the truth. They belittle and make fun of the truth. That's what a scoffer does. He knows what the truth, he may be, they maybe know what the truth is. But they don't care because they don't give any place to evidence and logic. All they want to do is make fun of the truth. And they want to try to drag you away from the truth as well. It's happening in Peter's day. It happens today just the same because there's a lot of people that don't want to admit what is right and what is true. And it's easier for them to try to make fun of the truth rather than to look at what is actually happening and apply evidence and logic to what we believe the scripture is saying. Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 31. says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves will men will rise up, 
speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Be aware of people. Be aware of these scoffers that are going to come and they're going to make fun of the truth. They're going to make fun of who Jesus is and the things that he's done. And they're going to try to lure you away from following Christ. That's their whole purpose, is to lure people away from following Christ. Don't forget, in Acts, he's saying, don't forget that I warned you. Remember, therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. What are we doing here this morning? Exactly the same thing. Warning people, be aware, be aware, be aware of the scoffers that will make fun of the truth. They don't care about the truth. The, the enemy that walks around like a roaring lion, he could care less about what's true. All he's trying to do is pull us away from the truth. Back in Second Peter, if we keep moving through some of these verses, it so is in verse 3, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water. All right, I want to go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 1 through 5. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. People are going to come in the latter time. They're going to depart from the faith, and they're going to try to take everybody with them. And I keep saying the same thing because I really believe that some of the things that we're seeing and we're living through today is doing exactly that. The same thing that's happening right here is to try to lure or attract or distract people from following what's true and what's right. Some will depart from the truth, and then they're going to try to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Second Timothy 3. It says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. 
always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, it would be easier if some of these scoffers, if, if, if people that are against the truth, it would be easier if they were just completely against the truth and they wanted nothing to do with God and the way that they were living was so opposite of what the truth says, that would be really, those are really easy to spot. I would think they would be. If we're living in the truth, we should be able to see them. But here is a problem. In verse 5 of chapter 3 in 2 Timothy, it says, Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Because there's a lot of people, and I don't want to be one of these people that have a form of godliness. So on the outside, maybe it looks good in the way that we act, in the way that we live, but really, the way that, if the way that you talk doesn't match the way that you walk, then we have a problem. And that's why I said a little bit ago it'd be easier if it was just plain black and white. They're not following what Scripture says. But when people attempt to follow what Scripture says, but they have no desire to believe what Scripture says, that makes it a little bit harder to determine what's going on. Be aware. Again, it's just a, a reminder to be aware of people that want to make fun of the truth. Back to 2 Peter. The scoffers keep making fun of the truth, the truth being all the way through Scripture, it talks about Christ and his return and his second coming, and everything in Scripture points to Christ, and they start making fun of the truth, saying, are you sure you didn't miss something? Because why is it taking him so long to come back? Are we going to live differently because people start asking why God hasn't returned yet? Are we going to live differently because of that? Is our faith strong enough to withstand the scoffers or the peer pressure? Because it reminds us again in 2 Peter that it says uh, in verse 5, For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being punished or being flooded, excuse me, with water. When God speaks, things happen. If you go all the way back to Genesis, we just read this last night at home. You go all the way back to Genesis, let's not forget uh, that in Genesis, when God spoke, things appeared. When God spoke, things happened. Things were created, things were made, things came into existence when God spoke. And this is the same God that we serve today. This is the same God that was in, has inspired all of Scripture, all of the truth, all of the history in this book. It's the same God. It's the truth that the scoffers are making fun of. And how easy, how easy do I forget? All we have to do is turn back to Genesis chapter 1 and read Genesis chapter 1. And if you really believe that when God spoke, these things happened... How incredible, there was nothing, there was nothing. Now it's really hard for us to imagine making something out of nothing because we can't do it, but God can because when God speaks, things happen. When God spoke in Genesis 1, the earth came into existence. When he spoke again, he put the sun and the moon and the stars in place. When he spoke again, animals were created. When he spoke again, dry land was separated from water. This is all just God speaking. 
And this is what people want to make fun of. They want to make fun of the truth. Let's not forget. It's really easy. These same people that want to make fun of the truth, maybe they forgot or maybe they didn't forget that when God spoke in Genesis, things happened. Maybe they forgot what God has done. But at the same time, do we, how often do we forget or how often do I forget what God has done? What, not just for me, but reading this history, what he's done for mankind, what he's done for all of us. But then move forward to my life where I'm at right now and the things that he's done for me personally. If you're ever not sure whether God can take care of you, why don't you start? I don't, I don't like to live in the past and we don't need to live in the past, but it's okay if we get discouraged or if we're unsure of God's promises or we start to question them, look back at what God has done for you. It's amazing. If you ever try writing a list of things that God's done for you, it'll get pretty long. And hopefully, ideally, you'll forget or you will not be quite so distracted of where you're at today. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. God took some dust, he took some dirt, and he formed man. And he breathed life into man. If you ever get discouraged whether God can take care of you, just remember just that by itself. He scrapes up some dirt together, and he breathes life into you and I. And he continues to do so every day. If God can do all of these things, I'm pretty sure taking care of me, taking care of you, won't be a problem. When we get discouraged, we have to remember what God has done for us. It's all about perspective. What's our job here on this earth? Why are we here? Yes, it sometimes seems like God is taking a long time to come back. It would just be really nice if he would just come back. Depending on where you're at in life, you might be thinking, well, maybe not quite yet. Because there's still some things here on this earth that I would like to experience. And that's okay. That's perfectly normal. I remember feeling the same way, and sometimes I still do. But it's only because we can't even begin to imagine what it will be like when Christ comes back. We can't. And I think it was made that way. I think it was set up that way so that we can't. Matthew, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 25, verses 41 through 46. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is what will happen. See, what we're here for is we're here to do things unto the least. 
If you have done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so the question is asked here, we never saw you hungry or we never saw you cold or we never saw you needing clothes. Well, it's always there. Again, it comes down to perspective and asking God to, and we ask this about every week, give us opportunity, give us, a, give us eyes to see the things that you want us to see. Give us the ability to see the people that need, whether it's literally food or whether it's literally clothing or whether it's just a smile or an encouraging word, whatever it might be. Lord, give us the eyes to be able to see that. Because it's not always very easy to see. It's very easy to be distracted. But this is what's going to happen when God comes to judge the earth. If you go back to Second Peter, it says in verse uh, 7, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. God is going to come and God is going to judge the world. He's going to judge people based on how we lived our life here. Not based on what we did, but based on who we accepted. Based on whether we accepted him and lived for him and had a heart to serve him. Verse 8, 2 Peter 3 says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. That's always an interesting verse to read, and you hear jokes about that verse. Uh, but, but God, else it's telling us is that God is not bound by time. See, the only thing that we know here is time. We can't fathom no time, not being bound by time. We're, we're bound by time in everything that we do, whether it's church on Sunday or whether it's the job on Monday or whether it's dinner time or the meeting time or whatever it might be, we are, we are bound by time. God is not that way. God is not bound by time. And so for him, we keep thinking, oh, well, what's, what's taking so long? The scoffers keep making fun of the truth, saying, are you sure he's going to return? You know, you said that in the scripture, but he still isn't here yet. Are you sure that what you believe is true? But God isn't bound by the time that we know. And he will come at just the right time. Psalm 90 verse 4 says, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. It's interesting that it says a watch in the night, because have you ever tried to stay awake all night to watch, to keep an eye on something? Sometimes it seems like forever. But God isn't bound by any kind of time in that way. The last verse says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, God knows exactly what he's doing. He isn't late. He's not going to be early. He's going to be right in his time. And we use the word time loosely there because, again, God's not bound by time. And so we like to try to predict when we think it might happen. But with God not being bound by time and us being bound by time, those two things don't go together real well. And so we try to predict a certain time. But that's not God's time frame. God's got his own time frame. A couple of verses. Isaiah chapter 30. Verse 18. 
It says, therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. He will wait until the time is right. He will wait until he doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want anybody to spend eternity without him. The reality is that there will be people that do spend eternity without him because they haven't accepted him. But he is willing to wait as long as necessary so as many as can will come to know him. Ezekiel is another verse, uh, 18 and 23. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? God created people to be in fellowship with him. He created people to be in fellowship with him. He didn't create people to be separated from him. And so he's willing to wait. He's willing to take the time as long as it takes for people to come to know him. Be ready to meet Christ today. But plan your course of service as though he may not return for many years. Be ready to meet Christ today. We want to be ready. We want to be prepared to meet Christ at any time. But you also want to plan your life in living in a way that it may be several years before he comes. And that sometimes is a little bit hard to know how to differentiate between those two. One more verse, First Corinthians, or sorry, First Timothy chapter 2. Verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. <clears throat> That's where I was going to go to. This is, this is history. This is the history. This is the things God put into place. He set it up. He set it into place. People are going to make fun of it. People might make fun of you. They might make fun of me for what we believe. But do we really believe this? Is what we believe worth standing up and fighting for? Is it worth it? Are you willing to stand for what you believe, even though people may make fun of you? Different things I've been reading about other countries where people are not only made fun of, they're persecuted, they're thrown in prison, they're tortured because of what they believe. But even in the midst of that, they're willing to stand up for what they believe. Is that, where are we at? Where are you at with that? Are we willing to stand for what we believe? Every week, I keep reminding us and reminding myself who God is. He's still good. His promises are still true. They are going to be fulfilled. He is coming again. He will come again. Be ready to meet Christ today. But plan your course of service as though he may not return for many years. Finishing up right there at the last verse that I read. In Second Peter, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance. Another reminder that we're going to do today is we're going to partake in communion together. A reminder of what God has done for us. Father, we pray that you would be glorified through even these representations that we do, these reminders that we do, as the scripture instructs us to do. Pray that you would guide each person that's here this morning. I pray a blessing on their week. I do pray for eyes to see opportunities that come to share your love with people. Lord, I pray that if we are so, uh, we'll put in a spot that we're made fun of, Lord, that we would consider it an honor to be able to serve you regardless of our situation. Thank you, Father, for your love. I just pray that you would bless our week, guide us as we go from here. I pray that we can go and serve and share your love with people. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. See you again next week.